Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supertop podcast. I'm Oshin, recording in Catania in Italy. I'm Podrig, recording in Vancouver, still in Canada. If you didn't qualify it, I was going to ask if you meant the one down beside Portland. Mm, nope, that's a fake Vancouver. That is not the real Vancouver. <laughs> We've been busy. We've been busy, but we've mostly been doing marketing-y kind of stuff. Like, I haven't written much code this week. Yeah, I feel like I've managed to, like, get into code a few times a little bit, but not fully into it because it's always been, like, diverted back out to do something else. Yeah, we spend quite a lot of time doing marketing stuff, and it's not really what I imagined the indie life I was signing up for all those years ago would be. Yeah, I think I had always imagined like some ideal where you, we just get to just do the stuff that we absolutely love and we just always get to keep making our products better and if you build it, they will come and you're not going to have to do other things. But that's not really the way it works out and I guess that's kind of part and parcel with trying to run your own product and be a small team like us. I mean, obviously, people probably know by now there's just the two of us, so anything that has to be done in this business, we have to take care of it. After spending a week like this, it kind of makes me think that it would be nice to work somewhere where you still really love the product you're working on and maybe got to make a lot of the decisions for the product, but didn't have to do all the extra stuff around it, like that that, that the rest of the company was there to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I started daydreaming a couple of times, imagining being in the panic office where we we spent a little while a few years ago. And I know in there, like each different developer is like off on their own products and other people are taking care of support and other people are taking care of marketing. And there's something idyllic to that idea. But um, I also know that at any stage that I was working on something where I didn't feel like 100% responsible for everything that went on or excuse me, 50% responsible, <laughs> along with Podrick, um, that I find it hard to keep my enthusiasm up for like really long periods of time when it's like that. So This is the, the other side of it, I guess, of having all the autonomy. So we, we set up a Castro summer sale where Castro is now $2 instead of $4, and that's a US price. <laughs> so, But it's 50% off everywhere. So whatever it was before, it's now half that. Um, setting all that stuff up took a little while and like but you just go into iTunes Connect and change the price and then that's it right uh, yeah then then it's on sale and nobody knows <laughs> <laughs> so we had to write a blog post and make an image to tweet and then that image had to be nice and the shadows had to be right on it we could put in the show notes like like 10 different variations of the tweet image <laughs> even towards the end where they started getting to the point where it was hard to tell what the difference was between them anymore but we still kept tweaking them anyhow <laughs> yeah I don't know it's nice to get that stuff right and do a good job of it that was just one little thing we did this week. And then you made a YouTube video. I did. I'm a, a YouTuber now. <laughs> yeah. When I think about doing YouTube and particularly having a video of myself, I get a bit shy the way I used to be about being on a podcast. Do you feel that way? And how did you get over it? I started feeling like very nervous when it was coming up to the time to record it. For a while, I think I just didn't think about it. And I just was like, oh, it'll be grand. I should probably just explain a little bit what the video is because people mightn't have seen it, but it's basically a, a walkthrough of Castro. A pretty detailed one, I think. It's like 17 minutes long, which I think might be the longest video on YouTube. I'm not sure. Probably. So it's me basically giving a demo of the app, going through all the different screens and going in, into some of the different details of it. Um, there's areas where I could have gone on for a lot longer, but I, I tried to hold back. Um, but we can, we'll do more of them, hopefully, in the future. Yeah, so initially it was like the idea was, oh, let's just do a recording of the screen, which it's really easy to do. You attach your phone up to the Mac and you can do a screen recording. 
And then I was thinking, oh, that's going to look a bit boring or a bit weird in YouTube because like videos are all landscape and it's just going to be this portrait thing in the middle. And I was like, oh, you could zoom in and out on different parts of the screen at different times. But then there was going to be parts where I needed to just explain things and there wasn't going to be that much else going on on the screen. So then I was like, okay, maybe I should be in the video as well. And then when there's parts where I'm just mostly talking, we can cut to me and there's a face and a beard. (laughs) Maybe it's a... Maybe it's easier to relate to when, like, instead of, uh, I mean, obviously on podcasts, people know it's just going to be voices, but maybe a voice without a face on YouTube is going to feel like something's missing. So I think that's a good point, though. I remember the WWC videos they did a few years ago. They didn't have the presenter in them. They were just like the slides with the audio of the presenter. And it was really, I, I found it really disorienting to not see like even for a few seconds to see them talking and know what they look like and how they're expressing themselves so I, I definitely think it makes a big difference yeah totally that's a really good example I had forgotten about those old style of videos they they were much harder to watch um, but so yeah I did get nervous beforehand and then I it took like so long to get started I have about 20 takes here on my laptop of like me saying hi my name is Oshin I'm one half of Supertop and then I just start laughing <laughs> or I start stuttering or I get annoyed and I just start cursing or I, I should do some sort of a supercut and just put it on on Twitter or, or on YouTube I don't know what to do with it but um, it took a while to get started and then the thing was, I knew I wanted to keep the editing as simple as possible as well, because I'm not a I'm not a professional editor, and I knew I was going to be using iMovie because I didn't want to pay for Final Cut, and um, yet, at least, um, so like before I even had like shot everything, I had just had some samples and I took them into iMovie and tried to figure out, okay, am I going to be able to do everything I want here? Um, and then I tried to just do the video basically in. In one long cut, I knew I would make some edits to it later, but I wanted to basically drag into iMovie like one long video of me talking and one long video of the iPhone screen and just edit between them. And it mostly worked out like that. There was some places where I made mistakes that I had to take pull stuff from other cuts and stuff like that. The first time I did it, actually, I don't think I told you about this before, but the first time after like all those false starts, and then I finally managed to get through the first cut of it, which was like 20 minutes and uh, the video failed right at the end so i only had like one half of that thing and i didn't have the other oh no so that was there was some cursing happened then <laughs> i'm really glad that we have something that like explains the details of the app because there's a good few good few points in that video where you highlight things that maybe aren't super obvious to everyone especially if they just started using the app um things like how the scrubber works and stuff like that It'd be fun to go into more detail about some of those in future and maybe make like, I don't know, 60 second videos where we just go in depth about one thing and why we why we did it a certain way. Yeah, we got one response after posting. The, well, I mean, we got more than one response, but one of the responses we got after posting a link to the video on, on Twitter was, um, oh, it's 17 minutes long. I thought it was going to be three or four, which... Yeah. <laughs> First of all, annoyed me, and then I was like, "Okay, look, fair enough. That is like that is people's expectation of of videos on on YouTube." But we wanted, we definitely wanted to get something substantial up there. That's like a complete run through. Um, that might not be the thing that's for everyone, or it might not be the one that gets us uh, up to a million subscribers. Uh, but we're going to get there, right? But um, 
but at least it was like a start to kind of get used to the process and yeah i think that could be a really good idea to even just pick like some of the specific points out of that and make shorter clips about them and maybe something like that could be more easy to share or more quote-unquote viral or something like hey look how nice our night mode transition is or look how like you said look how cool our scrubber is and what it can do like really like short clips of those things could be cool yeah i think it's kind of funny how like if we get really into video and start making loads of youtube videos how far that is away from podcasts and how it kind of almost competes with it in terms of people's time and stuff (laughs) but it's still a useful it's a pretty useful medium and yeah one theme with all this stuff all the indie stuff is like we're just getting further and further from the idea of build it and they will come i think we've for castor too we've been quite good at trying to do some marketing and making sure we tell people when we do things. But now now I even feel like even the little design flourishes in the app, we should have a video that points them out. You don't just like put them in the app and expect people to see them and everyone appreciates it. We have to actually be like, look, the thing is wiggling because you tapped it. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, as you're making these things, I mean... I know it's important and I know we have to make these and part of me does enjoy making it and I'm into video and like when I was younger I used to make short movies and I've always enjoyed like the editing process and stuff like that so like I did get to explore some of those things with this but obviously in a very different way because it's not like I'm not trying to make a arty movie that expresses like the deepest parts of my soul (laughs) is that now that's not what this was (laughs) (laughs) i'm yeah at the end of the day i guess i'm trying to sell people a four dollar app or two dollars right now for (laughs) a week (laughs) because this is not like what i do all the time like i'm not a professional video editor it's slow and it's similar to like when we started this podcast and even sometimes even now it's like it's it can take quite a while to edit episodes or uh, when we write blog posts, we're like so particular about things. I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like we're used to like how we like to approach software, like really with it. Like it's an answer craft that like we've developed over years and that we're really proud of and that um, like we iterate on everything and polish everything. And I think we kind of can bring that to other things as well. As in, like, those expect expectations where, like, if we're going to send somebody uh, an email, we'll send it back and forth to each other a good few times and, like, correct punctuation and do all this kind of stuff. Or mm-hmm. when we started the podcast, we're spending a day or two, like, to edit together, like, a, a half an hour or an hour episode. I may be exaggerating there, but if I am, it's not by all that much. Yeah, we kind of need to keep those things like in their box a little bit. I, I definitely felt this way when we started the podcast. I didn't want to end up with a new hobby that I spent thousands of dollars on and like buying fancy mics and really good editing software. And and then we did end up buying slightly better mics, but they're in like the 100 to $200 range. And we bought Logic because we needed to. But even so, I still feel the need to keep that under control and not let myself get too far into this being another thing that we pour far too much time into. Because it is, it's in service. I mean, the, I enjoy doing the podcast, and I we have we have a few listeners, and I think people enjoy it too. But it, it is in service of keeping Supertop going. Like on a previous episode, I said Supertop was that the point of it was the it was the minimum viable business to just keep us getting to design apps, and this is part of that too. That it's just a supporting piece of supporting work that we have to do to make it all fit together. Yeah, we we can't become professional writers when we write blog posts, and we can't 
become like radio level podcasters and we can't become like video artists. I mean, you can indulge it a little bit and you can do a better job than you might have, but you can't have it become your entire focus. There's a level of proficiency, I think, that you need to be able to get to before you can then not spend too long on it. Um, mm. Like, because it's not like, obviously, I'm not, I wasn't trying to edit together um, Citizen Kane here or anything. <laughs> um, but just the practicalities of trying to deal with the software that I'm not used to, of trying to make cuts that look okay, even though I'm, like, really out of practice with trying to do that kind of thing. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely, like, an initial learning curve with all these things. And then we kind of end up becoming generalists at a lot of things, which is, I don't know, sometimes you want to specialize and be really, really good at something, and then you can spend all your time on it. And you get there eventually. Like you've heard that that idea that you need to spend 10,000 hours doing something and then you're good at it. Mm. And I feel like we've done that with apps and we can do apps pretty well. But when you have to also be able to do all these other forms of media just to promote your app, there's something rewarding about being able to adapt to whatever situation you're in and what you need to do. Like maybe this is why human beings are good or something. Because <laughs> we, can, we can figure out different situations and we're not just like very good at one thing. But I think there's something good as well, though, about like, at least for me, like managing to realize that I do have some sort of um, perfection complex that I'm like scared of putting something out until I've like really done like a ton of work on it. Um, and so apps have been that way for me like forever. Um, and it's kind of nice to be able to take a step back from that and say, hey, look, this video that I just uploaded to YouTube I think it's okay <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm okay with putting something out into the world that I think is okay I don't think it's it's not like an amazing video but it's not about the video as much as it is about as we said about like showing people about the app and as long as it accomplishes that it doesn't have to be like a, a compelling piece of of video production <laughs> yeah maybe there's some humility in that is there something about YouTube a little bit like Snapchat where because it is clearly an amateur thing you're you have more permission to be like an unvarnished version of yourself if this video you made was going to go on television you'd probably spend months editing it and reshooting it and all that stuff but because it's just going on YouTube you can you kind of have permission to to do it to a certain level I mean there's a huge variety of everything on YouTube like from like really professionally produced things to not <laughs> professionally produced um there's something interesting though about it that like like we've made videos some videos before for products and put them on Vimeo mm-hmm. and there wasn't a culture around Vimeo where we thought oh this is a Vimeo video isn't it strange that like this one I mean this is a product demo but still for some reason in my head I think of it as like oh yeah but it's on YouTube so there's something YouTube-y about it like that YouTube has some impact on it that it's not just a hosting platform yeah there's a culture or something around it. Which I don't, I think our video probably more fits like a traditional product demonstration rather than fits into like a, a culture of YouTube. But there's a little bit of jokes at the end. If you watch all the way to the end, you get a little bit of my, uh, my, my YouTube um, sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, here we are on a podcast talking about a YouTube video about an app that we've been <laughs> working on for the past four years living the dream <laughs> living the dream and um, what else have we been doing marketing wise you did an interview yeah club mech stories uh ryan 
I'm going to butcher his name probably, Ryan Christoffel. He got in touch and asked a few questions about what I thought about WWC and some... We, we were actually featured. Did we mention this? I'm sure we mentioned this. So in one of the WWC talks, we were uh, the notifications one. We get a mention about um, how great our notifications are and how... Two of them even. Yeah, two different sessions. So that, that was really cool. I don't think we mentioned it. We definitely need to brag about that. Yeah, we should probably make sure we mention it every day for the rest of our lives. I think he said it's his favorite podcast app. Castro is my favorite podcast app. And he's speaking for Apple. It's really great. It's really well done. Which is good. So I think this is a really nice example of how an app can bring their custom design language from their app into the notification experience. It's really well considered. It's really great. Not as good as when Brian Iray says Castro is his favorite app. Castro is my favorite podcast app. Full stop. My favorite app. Period. My favorite app. That's it. My favorite app. That's nice. My favorite app. It's really great. It's really well done. (laughs) (laughs) We should get Brian Iris on our YouTube channel. (laughs) We should. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, So yeah, I wrote that interview up. It took took a few hours to write it all. I probably wrote far too much because this this all goes in a newsletter. You have to scroll down pretty far to get to to get to the end of it. But yeah, that was a fun thing to do. But again, it takes a few hours out of your day. So yeah, all these things. Setting up the sale, doing the YouTube video, making this podcast, doing that interview, keeping up with various other emails and other... What's the other, that phrase? Other, like, pans in the fire? Other... Pokers. Pokers, is that a thing? Anyway. Pokers in the eye. Anyway, we've got, like, a bun in the oven or whatever the phrase is, and... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, can you edit that out? No, this is brilliant. This is gold. So we have all that marketing stuff to do, but... We had a listener question that actually fits in pretty well here. Ian Glover asked us to talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages of being a two-person indie team instead of working solo. That fits in pretty well here. Like it's At least we can do that stuff. And while you're making a YouTube video, I can be breaking my watch or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can start work on some other piece of code, I guess I mean. You did break your watch, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so the good news is it's unbroken now. But that's kind of the end of the story. <laughs> so I I started trying to build a watchOS app just to see how that goes. And then it wouldn't install on my f- watch. Uh, I'm trying to tell the really fast version because it's kind of boring. <laughs> um, but I have iOS 11 on my phone, so I thought maybe I needed watchOS 4 on my watch. So I tried to install that, and it just kept installing forever. Even though I restarted it, the ring would just fill up again, and then it would just freeze out of with the ring full. So I left it all day, came home from work, and it was still like that. And then I got in touch with Apple and was talking to them for about 70 minutes. Oh, yeah, important background. If you want to downgrade your Apple Watch from watchOS 4 back to watchOS 3.2, the only way to do it is to send it back to Apple. There's a document on the developer website saying, like, this is how it is. Here's the steps to send it back. And it tells you how to navigate through the support website and get to the right chat so that you can tell them. So I did that and they had no idea what I was talking about. So I had to go through the motions of like trying different things. And then eventually it was escalated to someone else and they agreed to take it back. Now that would have taken 10 business days, they said. So two weeks, which is a lot of time to be without your development device if you're trying to get something done for September. This morning when I woke up, I saw your tweet saying, oh, I can't remember the exact words, but it was like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to... Yeah, I won't be able to... Get this watch app done for... September. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I know why he's saying I. I'm going to be the one making it now instead. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where the two-person story fits in. 
um, but then I, I was getting ready to send off then so I took the straps off and then and then I it occurred to me that like okay I need to turn this off completely so that the battery doesn't also die in transit so eventually I figured out how to turn it off by holding the power button for about 50 minutes and then I plugged it in so it would be charged and went to sleep and then I looked at it well a while later when I woke up and it had turned back on and finished the installation and was fine again oh so I don't have to make a watch up anymore yeah neither of us do I think Oh, <laughs> um, so now I have watchOS 4 and my watch is the good part but I wasted a lot of time yesterday is the bad part but yeah so that would have been really annoying to not have my watch going back to the being two people instead of one thing you could definitely have jumped in there and taken over and I mean all the various different bits of marketing that we talked about this week um, we still did get some development on in between them um, yeah one, if we were one person I don't like my entire week would have been gone so you can kind of keep momentum going a bit quicker on things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At the start of the week, I saw a tweet about uh, registering your encryption with Apple as well. So that was another oh, thing, yeah. just dealing with American bureaucracy. So I spent about half a day trying to figure that out, and it's really easy. So I wrote a blog post, or at least I'm probably wrong. I'm probably doing the wrong thing, and I'm going to Guantanamo or something. But uh, as far as I can tell, it's really easy. So you just make a CSV file with a few details and send it to the NSA, and then you're done until next year. So I wrote that up as a blog post thinking, okay, this will be helpful for anyone else who decides they want to, they see that message from Apple and decide, okay, I want to sort this out. And then I just had so much feedback on Twitter from people who wanted to argue the legal detail with me about whether or not it needs to happen. Mm. And it's kind of my fault for how I phrased the tweet. I said, like, you have to do this. I guess what I meant is, like, here's how you comply with what Apple says you have to do. And if you want to disagree with that fact, great. <laughs> That's totally fine. I can't have an argument with you about your interpretation of a legal thing versus Apple's because I don't, I'm not Apple's lawyer. All I can do is say, look, here's an Apple document where they very clearly and precisely say that you have to do it. So it's up to you. But yeah, that's, that's another example of something that we do that's like not really anything to do with writing code, but a small compliance thing. There's probably a tiny chance that it would ever matter because I'm sure very few people actually bother to register this. Um, but you got to get these things out of the way when they come up. So, Is there any other areas we should go into on the advantages and disadvantages of being a multi-person indie? I feel like this could be the start of an episode rather than like... Yeah, there's a lot we could talk about. I mean, one thing is through all of these things we've discussed, we were constantly talking back and forth and bouncing ideas off each other. And like, you sent me a draft of that video, I sent you a draft of the interview, and you have someone right there who'll give you feedback pretty much immediately. Mm. If you just write a blog post normally, you can normally find a friend who'll look over it for you. But they might, it might take a day for them to get back to you. We have a good working relationship where you can, I can suggest something and you can like disagree where if someone does you a favor and edits your thing and then you don't like the edits, you kind of feel like an asshole for ignoring them. Um, so I, I don't know. I think we're relatively good on that front of being able to like give feedback that's not binding. Yeah, totally. 
like one thing that I remember thinking about more, more like in earlier years of us working together than now, because I think the relationship we have has kind of solidified a bit more and I'm more used to exactly how we work together. Um, I remember in some of the early days, like when I would have an idea and I'd pitch you the idea and I'd be like, it could be a design or it could be a concept or it could be anything. Um, and then if you had like anything, if you had any negative feedback about it at all, my first reaction would be like, oh, why doesn't he just love what I sent him? Why does he have to like have this, like point out these gaps in my logic or like, or actually I wouldn't be thinking that clearly at the time. I would just be like, ah, why doesn't he just love it? This is terrible. And then of course you would be right. <laughs> um, and I would have to think about it more and then hopefully come up with a better solution or a better design or a better implementation. Um, and like, I think it can be difficult sometimes to to hear criticism or to hear to not just be told oh yeah that's great keep going with it um but that's what ultimately gets you making something better at the end of the day as well so to have an ongoing relationship with somebody who is able to criticize what you do and who you are able to like accept that criticism from and learn from it and come up with something better i mean that's that's a very valuable thing to have Without sounding like a psychotherapy session, there's definitely value in having a relationship there where that stuff is established and it's like safe to criticize because you trust the other person and there's no like one-upmanship going on. You're not trying to like be seen by the boss as doing a better job so that you get something else. Like it's not, it's not a game. We're both trying to make something better. Mm. Like if I do something and you criticize it, I will, I trust that it's actually good criticism. Like you're not just a random punter on Twitter who says that you hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like you know you have a stake in it being good and you have your own taste and yeah it's also less i imagine it would get kind of lonely doing stuff on your own and like even just the company of chatting on slack like makes me feel like i'm working on something that's not just me especially when you have some self-doubt about like oh what's the point of this stupid thing anyway <laughs> like at least if there's two of you doing a stupid thing and you can tell yourself that it must be worthwhile because someone else is doing it too <laughs> yeah, and that kind of reminds me of the whole idea of that we were talking about where if one person's doing marketing, the other person can still be coding. If if one person has self-doubt at the moment, hopefully the other person can be feeling more uh, more confident and we can help each other in that way. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're trying to wrap it up here, but that's definitely another whole area where like, <laughs> like there are times when I just get nothing done for like an obscene amount of time. Um, and the fact that you can keep things going during that or vice versa like it happens to both of us but you just have down times when you're not getting a lot done for whatever reason whether it's the work or your personal life or who knows um and when someone else is at least keeping the lights on during that time even if it's not progressing really far it means you have something to go back to and it hasn't all fallen apart you still there yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I just got a little bit emotional there for a second. <laughs> um, this is, we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's finish it. Um, um, I think that was good. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Super Top Podcast. We'll be back soon with more from the world of Super Top. <laughs> if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Super top, 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 super top,